there's always a lot of pressure of like having a very strong voice, but then you're working with trauma, so it's a lot of vulnerability included. I'm Zeyn Oruç, this is XVR Talks, and today's guest is Anna Yarosh. Thank you for coming today. Um, it's going to be interesting to having you on the podcast for me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm honored to speak oh, to really? you on this podcast, of course. <laughs> Thank you. I wish we could actually record our previous conversations about like art and life in general, because I think they were interesting in a different level. Mm-hmm. But now I want to learn more about you and your art in particular. Um, so um, tell me how you define your art's work. Wow, that's a very interesting first question. <laughs> I don't know how to answer it in a, just few words, but um, I think I'm trying to build, because I mostly work with installation right now. I have background in photography and video, but um, I'm trying to create spaces and take over spaces um, by putting um, sculptural objects into mostly gallery spaces. I haven't been working so much outside But yeah, um, I think that's the most important part of it, just to, yeah, take over the space mm-hmm. in a way. You, ha- you said you have background in video and photography, but you also have a background in music, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's true. So how did you make this mix matching and ended up in installation? Well, actually, I started to study music when I was really young as a child. I was playing cello and piano. Oh, wow. And I did some contemporary dancing as well, which is interesting. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, someone recently told me that it's a very well-kept secret because I usually don't talk about it. Because I stopped because I did sports. Mm-hmm. So I kind of sacrificed the music education for sports, which is really funny because I don't do any sports right now. <laughs> um, but it definitely gave me this, um, well, understanding, but also like... It opened me up for, um, for new like experimenting with new media, you know. Because I, when I started studying photography, I was really focused on it, and I thought that's the only thing I can do because I was never really that good at drawing. Mm-hmm. So you know, art when you're like fifteen, art is like drawing and painting. Yeah. So I thought photography is my medium, but then soon I realized that it's quite flat, and I just wanted to. Ex- kind of escape this pictures on the wall like of course photography can be much more but I think for me at some point it was just not enough mm-hmm. and I was interested in this like free dim- free dimensionality of of sculptural objects and, and site-specific installations mostly and how did you realize that it was flat for you I, I just got stuck mm-hmm. you know I was um experimenting and um, different types of photography I worked a lot in darkroom because like digital photography was a bit boring mm-hmm. and um, yeah and then I was just like making like I was um, installing photography in spaces in a very sculptural way like not really hanging them on the walls but trying to to move them a little bit around and then I just discovered that I can actually do sculpture and I can experiment with materials and and that's fine so that's how it goes And was it a smooth transition for you? Was it available to transform your work from photography to sculpture all of a sudden? No, it was actually a battle because 
I'm self-taught in sculpture. I never had a, mm-hmm. um, a teacher. You know, I was studying when I moved to Sweden. I was still studying photography, but it was a fine arts education. So there were a lot of workshops available and a lot of people to actually expand the conversation on not only photography, but like arts in general. So then I just locked myself in sculpting studios and I was pretty much experimenting a lot with different materials and and trying to make something out of it. And it was really slow. It was a really slow process. But now I don't really do photography anymore. <laughs> and uh, in terms of like quite being connected with a certain medium, how did you feel when you were like having this slow transition? Because you still had to keep your photography lessons, I assume, uh, at the university and also practice what you wanted to practice. Did you feel like you were cheating on one of the other or something like that? Yeah, definitely. But it was also, you know, on the master's level in Sweden, you don't really have any classes it's mostly based on your own projects that you develop throughout the two years Mm -hmm. so I was really hitting the wall a lot because on one level I had all the um, professors who were really like specific about the photography education was really like media oriented but at the same I was trying to do it I was really trying to force myself because I felt it's like I'm somehow obliged to Mm -hmm. to use photography but I just couldn't because I felt like the the project that I was um, working on was not so, like photography wasn't suitable. Mm-hmm. I also did a lot of video work previously, so that was already like I think that was the first step of me moving away from still photography, and then it just went quite naturally. Okay, and was there an expectation from from the public because you're already doing your masters, which means to me at least you have some background, some people who are already supporting your photos, uh, liking them, and wants to endorse your art in a way. Um, did you get any backlash from from a certain crowd, or was it always like supportive? Well, um, at the beginning, I felt a lot of pressure from the group as well because most of the the people that I was surrounded by were working quite strictly with photography in one way or another there was always um there was always a lot of photography surrounding me so mm-hmm. it was it was pretty inspiring to see the 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 work of people there but i think i just got after one year they accepted that i just i'm just a little bit different in the in the way of working so that was yeah, it was actually nice because I could I could see myself as part of this photography degree because of my background and because of the way I think about about my work. It always somehow starts with this still image. Mm-hmm. But then it's the result is more three dimensional in space. Yes, an interesting point starting like with photography because anything art or installation related in general ends up in photography just to document it at least Mm -hmm. so do you think that kind of gives you a leverage when it comes to documenting your artwork in the end for sure I mean the the skills that I've gained during studying photography for so long definitely help to to capture the work in a way but I'm never really satisfied with the effect (laughs) yeah I'm never satisfied with the with the documentation that I do even though I try really hard to to capture the feeling of of the actual artwork but at the same time I work a lot with um with lights and often with sound as well which is mm-hmm. obviously impossible to to capture in still photography so 
and I'm also quite interested interested in the way that the people that encounter the work, how they behave in the space and how they can like go around it. And I think that's the whole point of doing also the spatial installations in a way. And you cannot get this feeling when you just look at the photographs. So sometimes I try to, to capture the work with people um, in the space so you can get a little bit of the, the hint of how it might feel like, but mm -hmm. it's definitely quite hard. Yeah, um, I understand totally what you're what you're talking about because I saw your exhibition just a couple of days ago, and I also familiar as myself uh, with your uh, artwork on your website at least last uh, with the ones that you have there, and I can totally understand based on from my own experience as well because if you're working with the ambient and everything like that, then it's very difficult um, to recreate that moment in a different dimension, whether it be like two-dimension or three-dimension like something like a virtual exhibition um, I don't get the same feeling but I think that's also what makes your artwork very personal because it's like one-time uh, feeling one-time experience even if you take the same artwork and install it in a different uh, setting it's not going to be the same um, and of course your uh, visitors are not going to be same which makes this like very individual and I think it's very um, in a way it's very ironic when I consider the concept that you're working on it's um, how would you actually like describe that I'll, I'll leave that to you um, the concepts of yes. what I'm working around well I've been working um, around the trauma for the past five years I would say And uh, trauma in a very um, personal, on the very personal level, but also trauma as a collective experience of, of a group of people. Um, and also in the, like, I work a lot with the idea of body and objection. And I'm trying to combine these feelings somehow, these concepts. And um, and then the outcome is the the installation that both sort of touches upon um, your physical presence in the space that's why it's it's quite important mm -hmm. that coming back again to this like importance of people's presence within the artwork but also the feeling that you have and that's why I I'm interested in in taking over and sort of like recreating or maybe not recreating but like Yeah, just taking over the gallery spaces and, and uh, not only gallery, but just spaces that I'm exhibiting in, in particular. But it was also interesting that you talked about the um, virtual exhibitions because I actually did one. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen it, no. but um, during the, um, uh, the lockdown, we were planning to make an exhibition with um, a sound artist that I'm collaborating with, uh, Agatha Lewandowski. And... Um, We were really excited about making it for a couple of months. And then, like, of course, we couldn't do it because everything was closed. So the gallery um, offered us to do it online. And that was a very big challenge, thinking of the way we usually work. But we did it. And it was a video work that was somehow, like, engaging the viewers to, mm -hmm. to, to do something. But mostly it was just... Um, taking over the screen again so it was a very interesting experience um, to somehow transform this way of working in space to the virtual space 
I get it. And how do you feel about not um, seeing your audience? Yeah, that's that's the tricky one. But I guess you don't always see the audience when you when you do the exhibitions because you're not always physically there. present there. But uh, it was also interesting when you do it online because people somehow feel that they need to react in a way. Or there was like um, part of the the installation was that you could actually email us about your mm-hmm. um, your feelings or like how you how you saw the exhibition, how you, you know, experienced it in a way. And people did that? Yeah, people did it a lot. Wow. Which was interesting. I did not expect um, that much uh, engagement from from the audience. I think it was even more than you, you would usually hear because maybe people are a little bit scared to approach you when you're actually in this space. Exactly, exactly. But do you think um, that's because you're working on something very personal, even though it's collective trauma but you're working uh, about like basically being human like the trauma of being born mm-hmm. um, and it, of course we don't remember it but everybody uh, experienced this in their own way do you think this is one of the reasons why people are having a hard time to approach to you in the physical space it might be um, but I think it's general like human reaction to somehow confronting the person who who made the artwork because you always question your own um like experience mm-hmm. i think especially with um with this kind of work that i'm making it's very ambiguous in a way you you feel it but you may be not sure what you think and what are you supposed to think and what you're supposed to feel so there's always this uncertainty I feel like talking to the actual person who made it and then confronting your own feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you're not in person, um, you don't have the same judgmental uh, fear, mm-hmm. you know, ju- the fear of being judged, I guess. Um, but do you think that's in general or it might also depend on the topic of the exhibition or where you are at that moment? Yeah, definitely. Both, I think. Because then referring to the the online exhibition, again, I feel like when you're hiding somehow on the other mm-hmm. side of the screen, you're a little bit anonymous in a way. Like even though, of course, like you can see who, who that is that's actually emailing you. But but still, like you, you somehow have this, this shell of not being able to see the mm-hmm. person. So it's a little bit of a distance, as you as you mentioned. But then like, again, the space um when like coming back to the physical exhibition the space where it's happening and how many people are there and who the artist is you know like people are different you always get a different um relation um depending on on somehow like this nonverbal communication yes so i think there's a lot of different things that affect the the way you approach and when you think about your previous exhibitions with like fo- photography as a medium and what you're doing now, what's the difference when you consider the public? Oh, I don't... That's a very hard one. <laughs> um, it's also different because when I was working with photography, I was not exhibiting so much as I'm exhibiting right now. So I was not really reaching out to so many people. But I feel like the discussion about the artwork is very different Mm -hmm. when it comes to photography because I feel like 
photography is still somehow living in this preconception or misconception or like constantly question itself as a medium you know yeah on this very basic level that we started to have this conversation you know when the photography was invented is it art or is it just you know recording the reality and it's been like it's been a question throughout the whole time that I've been studying photography like it's always somehow coming back no matter if you read like texts from like mid 20th century or contemporary text on photography it's always this this matter of uncertainty and I think when we talk about painting or sculpture is so well established somehow in the in the art world that like you wouldn't question if a sculpture if was, is art yeah. right because it somehow goes so yeah, I think that's the main I guess it's older and probably mm -hmm. one of the main reasons why it's established that way but we, do you think when people are interpreting your artwork or when they're trying to understand do you think they're more comfortable with photography or with installations and then again it depends where you are okay. and what's the um, um yeah what's the background of the discussion because if when i was um studying in sweden it was always somehow my work was always um discussed through the photography filter because of the of the context right but then when you go and and just exhibit somewhere like i had the exhibition hill in, here in belgrade people don't necessarily know mm -hmm. your background of course so i think this discussion somehow goes um a little bit away okay and you said something about that you didn't exhibit as much as when you were doing photography was that a conscious de decision or it was just coincidental well, it was mostly because I was just at the very beginning of my art path, as okay, you would say. Because okay. when I was doing photography, um, or let's say when I started to study, I was studying in Prague. Um, and uh, I was just, you know, still learning and still somehow at the very beginning. And now I'm, you know, getting more involved in the um, in the art scene. So there, there are more possibilities to, to exhibit and to show the work. Okay, I understand. I was thinking maybe if you're more comfortable now with this medium and then you're pushing it a little bit more. That, yeah, definitely. But I feel like I'm generally more comfortable with myself as an artist. Um, yeah, because simply I just grew to it throughout the few years of experience and and I just learned how to do things and and how to approach, um, for example, galleries or, or how to how to speak about my work and... I'm definitely more confident in what I do right now. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think it's partial to do with because you had to do everything yourself, learn everything by yourself, and it made it a little bit more personal um, than a medium like photography that was a little bit more like clean cut mm -hmm. and has its own frames, literally. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to the topics you're working on, like did it start... In, when you were doing photography or is this something that evolved with like working with installation? Um, when I started to work around the trauma, I that was the first moment when I decided that photography is not enough to express what I want to say, actually. Because um, like I was in the um, studio where a lot of people were working with 
very different mediums. Actually, in Prague, it was um, it was the studio, like it was the cathedral of photography, but um, there were people were ra- rarely working with photography, and um, and that kind of opened me up a lot and showed me the possibility of um, of like going around the medium a little bit, still somehow spinning around photography, like still photography, but also like expanding. So I started to to just work with video and with sound, and I also worked a lot with text. And that was, I think, the, the first step of um, somehow moving a to little bit further. Okay. Yeah. And what made you interested in this subject? Actually, I started with my own experience huh. because I, um, I got somehow stuck um, during my second year of studies, and I was really just walking in circles and I think that was also the the this photography cage that I put myself in because I really genuinely believe that photography is the only thing I can do that I have absolutely no other skills um so I was really like walking around but it was they're just not giving the results I just couldn't I just couldn't see the work that I've been producing as something that is valuable for other people do um, you know to escape this kind of sentimental value that photography has quite strongly um, and then I was just having this long conversation with one of my professors and he was telling me that maybe I should actually use myself as a subject to at least to start something and then move away from it so that's what I did um, and I used this experience, very traumatic experience of being attacked on the street, like one day when I was coming home, you know, and I was like really escaping that. But at some point I just decided to confront it. And that was the beginning of it. But then as um, going with doing a lot of research on it and how like, you know, trauma is affecting nearly everyone, but mm-hmm. in a very different way, I decided to like move my own experience a little bit away, still like basing on it, but but move it a little bit away. Um, yeah, and then just like, I just continue working with it because I could really see that there is like a lot of potential in it and there's a lot of things to explore and um, and talk about. And then the collectivity of trauma came with my fascination with um, this phenomena um, of dancing mania. I don't know if you heard about that i heard it from you (laughs) oh yeah true we spoke about it um so i was really interested in um in this like collective experience of some really difficult subjects and difficult um just just problems that people have but they don't really know how to speak about it but then they were dancing so they were using their bodies to to somehow connect with each other so that I found really uh, somehow revealing okay um, so if I if you allow me to go back to that uh, trauma the personal trauma you had being attacked on attacked on the street um, did it help like using yourself as the subject as the starting point did it help to cope with that um in some way, or I would say more, I had to cope with it in order to use it for my art. Mm-hmm. Because, um, well, so I was um, 
I think it was like a year after it, the event actually happened. And I was always um, refusing to go to that part of the town. And that conversation that I had with my professor, he suggested that I should just go there, confront it and see what happens. And that's exactly what I did. It was horrible. But at the same time, I like, you know, I understood that it's it's not impossible and it's it could be really meaningful and valuable to actually transform it into something. But at the same time, it's a curse because every time I speak about that and I speak about them, um, the, you know, the beginning of, of my uh, interest in trauma, people always, or not always, but, you know, a lot of people um, have this misconception of me, like using the my practice as like self-healing Mm -hmm. and it's looked like from above it's like oh you shouldn't do that no why even if so why well because you should talk about more general things i guess instead of you know like i heard a lot of um of people um somehow connected to the to the art world being like it's not it shouldn't be like art art is not therapy maybe you need a therapist first so it's like i can see a lot of this like working around trauma it's very challenging in terms of people often judging you for for using this experience as um as a drive in a way which i believe i'm not doing but still it's a lot of these um uh, these discussions actually around my work it's literally mind-blowing to me that people can be judging this even if you are using a self-healing like i don't think there's something wrong with that mm -hmm. it's like if you're like focusing on any topic you're, you're focusing on for a certain personal reason and why not your trauma and why not get something out of it even if you're not doing it like mm -hmm. yeah i just can't imagine people judging this and i feel like that's like a very pretentious approach towards art also mental health mm -hmm. um and it's just shouldn't be there like that like if like we're talking about art like these people are supposed to be the ones who are open-minded and i think it's just so idiotic that this is how they are it's yeah it's a little bit mind-numbing for me at the moment yeah but i can I feel like a lot of subjects that I'm touching upon in my practice are these like not necessarily taboos, but things that are a bit triggering for certain people. Mm -hmm. Like I work with trauma. Um, I work with like within feminist subjects. And that's another thing that is like, it was a little bit of a curse while studying at the academy because um, especially from like, female professors I felt that there's always a lot of pressure of like having a very strong voice but then you're working with trauma so it's a lot of vulnerability included so that's a lot of these discussions that you constantly have and you're constantly trying to distance yourself from that but maybe you shouldn't do that so it's um it's quite tricky yeah I can imagine this is the thing though like if we're trying to be advocate of something like feminism we kind of have to start from a personal point mm -hmm. to actually generalize this and make it understandable for other people. Um, and I do understand the pressure, but people are also have to like think that like we need to be 
approaching this from different zones because your experience with feminism is not going to be the same as someone else's Mm -hmm. nor them like because like there's of course like there's an age difference Mm -hmm. and there is a cultural background that goes into that what you would be perceiving as feminism wouldn't be the same as theirs Mm -hmm. and how do you like when we talk about the feminism how do you reflect that on the trauma portion of your work well I i actually speak a lot about this gender trauma and Partially, again, like coming back to my own experience, because I feel like I cannot refer to, like at this point, I cannot refer to any kind of trauma that I have not experienced myself in a way, because I don't feel confident enough and knowledgeable enough to talk about it. But like I try to speak about trauma as a very general experience, as we spoke before about like something that touches like literally everyone. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm interested in this like, specific um, notion of trauma that is experienced like based on of, on the gender as well. I think that's also like pretty much every female can also relate to. Mm-hmm. And like, um, is it because your experience with this attack was based on your gender or like something else? I feel like that was the beginning but maybe not anymore mm-hmm. because i'm i'm interested in like the sensation of gender and the discussion on on gender um in general or i come from poland and there is a lot of um discussion on for example the rights of like lgbt people and um and it's just so exhausting to to watch it and to to think about it and there's so much trauma that I can also see that's related to it on both sides you know Mm -hmm. so I find it quite fascinating and um and problematic at the same time so I think it's really important to to speak up about it and to somehow transform it into into the practice that I that I do okay and when it comes to um transferring this into your work i know that your artwork is not preachy like you're not trying to change someone else's mind you're not trying to influence them in a way that is um like black and white let's say but how do you think people uh, or like what do you think people will be getting out of uh, getting from your work um i think i can't really predict that to an extent Mm -hmm. It's always quite difficult to... Of course. Yeah. Maybe the most difficult, actually. <laughs> um, I definitely try to... Because of the way I work in space and uh, often using using lighting to, mm-hmm. to create a more intimate space for people to, to experience the, the pieces that I put there and also using sound often. So I create this like little spaces that you can somehow get lost in a little bit but also I'm interested in making the the viewer feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, just because of the the nature of the subject that I'm working with so and this like um, confronting yourself in the space as well as making the the person who who comes into the room to make them um feel both uncomfortable also like part of the work in a way for example like the exhibition that you you saw the other day 
uh, here. I was really interested in in transforming the space um, in the way that the, the visitors actually become part of the work, but also they reshape the work mm-hmm. based on their their movements in inside the space and their their own like physical presence there. Okay. Um, then what is your observations? Like what, what do you think it changed for the viewer? Not necessarily just here, but in general the work you do and how do you think people transformed? Mm, like themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, again, it depends on like, you know, it's it's very difficult because people approach art um, and in a very, very different way. Some some people would never enter the space and they would just have this experience of being outside um, in front of the work, looking at it from yeah from the outer perspective. And then again, it depends if they, there is there are other people in the space that are inside mm-hmm. or if they're alone. And I think it's a very big um, big difference on how you see it. But I I had so many. Um, so many different feedbacks from people regarding the exhibitions that I've made before. Um, some people get uncomfortable. Some people get scared and they don't want to enter because it's really? a bit too much for them. Yes. That's interesting. Um, and some people, or once I heard that it was um, like a very sad experience of being there because they could, they could actually refer it was um an installation that combined like a few sculptures um sound and um voiceover so it was like a monologue and someone was really could really relate to that monologue so it was like for them it was really quite um powerful but i think it really in the way i work it really depends on like your own experience mm-hmm. and how you kind of position yourself within that the space yeah. Yeah, in that case, can you say that you're not making your artwork with a certain emotion in mind? Mm, well, there is definitely a bunch of emotions, mm-hmm. or like the whole, um, yeah, a whole bunch of emotions. But isn't it's not like I'm making this piece to make people feel angry and this piece to make them feel sad? No. Okay. But generally, I, I don't think I have this uh, approach of like, wanting to make people feel in a very particular way okay that was my question yeah okay. yeah no i'm i'm pretty open with uh, with this like of course it's not going to be it's definitely not going to be a happiness mm-hmm. because it's just i or maybe it could be but it could be it could be but that would be a bit strange no but think about it if they were traumatized in a certain way and if they can relate to the peace maybe they just like made their peace with mm-hmm. their past and that's why it's a pleasing experience mm-hmm. for them yeah well okay <laughs> <laughs> that could be it oh yeah i was going to ask um since you're doing collective trauma of being born everybody experiences nobody remembers but there's also this um very traditional thinking and when it comes to giving birth or being born it's this beautiful experience Mm -hmm. that no one can describe you can only live this Mm -hmm. do you think the way you work and your work in general goes against this and kind of like creates this um narrative that it might not be well 
Um, I think it's a very personal experience and um, I'm definitely not denying anyone the right to feel to feel happy and um, like to to talk about giving birth as a sacred experience. Mm -hmm. I, I understand that and and it's definitely there. Mm -hmm. But what I'm talking about is more this like trauma of separation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, as like drawing on Yulia Kristieva um, and her um, theory of object and the separation of like oneself and the other in the context of separation of of the mother and the child more mm -hmm. in that context than the actual event of being born I think okay I understand I think I was uh, more thinking like there is this beautified image of uh, giving birth or mm -hmm. being born but people are also disregarding women who are experiencing something completely opposite and they can't really talk about this in a lot of places like there's not a lot of safe space to talk about the negative experience of it and I was thinking like maybe it can also connect with that but mm -hmm. I understand what you mean yeah no it's definitely true what you what you're talking about and I think it's more it happens more than we actually think it does and it happens more uh although we don't talk about it mm -hmm. but um Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a different uh, topic in that context. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to separation anxiety, which is what the being born creates, um, do you think you as a person or your work is exploring separation anxiety throughout life or just like limits with a certain period of time? Mm, I feel like this, the starting point is the, the separation of oneself and the other, but still like within yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and this like very philosophical matter of speaking about things. Um, but um, again, it could be both, but on a very different level, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So it depends because I usually work with, I try to narrow each exhibition or each like project that I'm working on is a little bit like focused on a different thing. For example, now I was working with the notion of superstition mm -hmm. um, in like within the society and within the both like Polish and Serbian cultures and somehow trying to connect it to, to the experience of collective, um, collective trauma and trauma in general. Um, But then, like, the last exhibition I did in Reykjavik was, um, like, very kind of personal. And it was, like, very focused on, like, the gendered experience of trauma. Mm -hmm. So I think it really depends um, on, like, each work is touching a little bit upon something something different. Okay, okay. I understand. Yeah. And um, now, like, if I have to generalize it, you are in a turmoil Uh, for your life and for your arts because you just graduated from your master's degree you're here to do like a short residency in Belgrade and then you're moving to Portugal um, what is the thing that you feel most pressured with right now right now is probably my question but <laughs> <laughs> in general in this perspective um, the most pressured with that's like a big one <laughs> Well, I'm not sure because the um, last months were so insane in a way and like on so many different levels <laughs> yeah. um, that it's really hard to focus on, on what's actually happening mm -hmm. because everything is going somehow so fast, but also unpredictable. Everything is very un unpredictable. Um, 
or like on one hand everyone is talking a lot about stopping and like pausing things but at the Mm -hmm. same time everything goes extremely fast exactly um so it's a very difficult one to answer at this point but i feel like i'm a little bit in the stage of being in between of of closing one like definitely important chapter of also living in sweden and and doing my master's there and starting something new but the something new is not necessarily something that i know of Mm -hmm. yet i think it's very it's it's somewhere there in the horizon but i'm not (laughs) sure exactly what it is um but yeah i recently um spent a month in a quarry and i was working on um on stone and you know stone sculpting is a very slow process um so it was a very big opposition of how i usually work because i usually work very fast because i'm quite impatient um so like all the materials that i was working with before um were like you know pretty like i could control them quite well and i i learned how to how to handle them but then with stone again it was like so slow and so clumsy in a way because you really don't know what you're doing so i think that is like somehow it could be somehow connected to this like stage mm-hmm. of life that i'm experiencing right now being like a little bit clumsy a little bit like you know just waiting for another thing and another day to come to actually see what what it's going to bring i, I don't know if that answers your question no it, ac- it actually does because i might be asking this question um because i also feel similar like it's a very predictable, unpredictable situation for all of us, to be honest, given the mm-hmm. world's uh, situation, but from a personal point as well. And I was curious if, uh, if it helps with the anxiety of not knowing, knowing that everybody is in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, and that's like, um, <laughs> that's like um, referring also to the collectivity of experiencing yeah. the trauma, right? That um, it comforts you. If you know that you're not the only one. Exactly. That is somehow stuck and somehow just in this, this huge trouble of not being able to to plan everything. And we are so used to being somehow trapped in this plan of yeah, like always. controlling. Yeah, of always like following certain, like, okay, you have the next step and the next step and then like, you're just like following this path. But then like you don't really know what's going to happen next week or even tomorrow exactly so that is really but i somehow feel that people are getting used to this mm-hmm. and going along with it in a way what do you think i agree and i think i'm also getting used to it it doesn't mean that i'm happy with it but i can't actually do anything to change it but on the other hand I also don't necessarily like myself when I'm over controlling and planning too far ahead. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives me some sort of comfort knowing that this is out of my hands. It doesn't matter what I do, I can't really change it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I, I, I'm getting used to it, but I don't know until when. Um, I can't say that I'm like fully confronted with this situation and i feel comfortable around it there are definitely days that i'm freaking out and there are days that i'm feeling like okay it's actually good to be a little bit like a step back and think about some stuff so 
there's mm-hmm. this constant fluctuation for me. Yeah, I think we're just all um, extremely traumatized right we now. We are, we are, and that's gonna give you more subjects to work with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is like a need for more trauma in the world right now. I don't think. That's something that we can prevent, to be honest. As long as we're alive, we're going to be exposed to this one way or another. If mm-hmm. it's not through our own mind and body, we're going to witness someone else's trauma and that's going to affect us in one way or another. Yeah, definitely. That's like how I, that's exactly why I feel it's so important to, to talk about it. Besides um, self-healing and the mm-hmm. idea of of using yourself somehow as a subject, but also like observing how others people, other people's trauma is affecting you. But also that is another um, subject or another like um, arm of the the trauma that I was thinking about and, and touching upon somehow in my work is that this idea of trauma being um, inherited mm-hmm. um, or how we actually when we are born we're already traumatized but not in this like separation level but also because we somehow we are given this trauma from our mothers and our grandmothers mm-hmm. and like how this this very particular personal trauma is traveling throughout the generations and it somehow never leaves you because you're so exposed to it in a very indirect level and it's part of you essentially yeah and it becomes like also it affect it starts to affect the way you look at the world therefore you also transmit this to other people and it's like this never ending circle exactly. of of this like trauma just just being there on very different levels because you know there's different types of trauma that people experience and and of course we have to take that into consideration when we speak about it but i think definitely it's something that everyone can relate to in in some way I agree, and I think it's good to start uh, to talk about this at one point. Even like just knowing there are different type of traumas and there are different ways to deal with it is actually helpful. Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming to record this episode, and thank you for your work because I think you're still changing something. Oh, thank you. It was <laughs> really nice to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks for listening! If you liked this episode, like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to support or collaborate, you can contact us at infoadxvr.com or via social media. The music in this episode was created by Vlad Kujuklu, a Moldovian musician living in New York. XVR Talks is brought to you by XVR, an initiative focused on supporting the arts in Eastern Europe.